Hey, so I had my first ever dream about rolling for change. I was at my old college campus, but it wasn't my college campus. That That's kind of normal, right? Um, and uh, I'm in this crowded, like, I assume it's like a lunchroom cafeteria. There's tables all over the place. People are talking. The The din of the room is pretty loud, and, and there's people everywhere. There's probably eating going on, but, you know, I'm not focused on those details. But I do. I walk in, and I see across the way, like, way across the way, is my former teacher and mentor, um, someone who I respect a, a great deal, and uh, um, he sees me, and we make a beeline for each other. And we get to each other, we're kind of excited to see each other, and there's kind of this moment of, how are you, how are you, kind of thing. And then he points out this guy at the table next to us, and he says, hey, I want to introduce you to Woody. And, uh, you know, he's he's running this podcast called Rolling for Change, and, and he kind of explains a little bit of it, but then he kind of, he just suddenly leaves, and I'm here I am sitting with these guys who are interested in talking to me about Rolling for Change. But what they're really interested in talking to me about is not Rolling for Change, it's Blue's Clues the game, uh, or a Blue's Clues game of some sort. Apparently, it's the game that's taking the college by storm, and they're all excited about it. You know, it's more than one guy. And uh, I try to listen, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, Blue's Clues, what, what's this all about? And so I, I think what happened was I ended up falling asleep at the table, which I don't know if you can fall asleep in a dream, but then I wake up again and people are kind of looking at me expectantly like they've all told me some really detailed, important information about this Blue's Clues game. And for for good or ill, something pops into my head, which is I had a book bag with me and the book bag's gone. And so I kind of freak out for a minute and I'm, I'm asking these guys, have you seen my book bag? And I'm looking around the room and trying to see where the book bag is. And of course, people are still all over the place. And I get the idea that uh, someone's stolen my book bag. So I go on a quest for the book bag, basically. I look around the lunchroom, and I can't find it anywhere. I've completely ignored these guys now. I'm going to Lost and Found, and I find myself in uh, this really elaborate space-age-looking bowling alley that's in the college, which is it was kind of odd. And I tried to talk to the guy behind the counter about where Lost and Found was, and he didn't even seem interested. He's like, oh, yeah, you can just go ahead and get a game over there. No, no, I'm looking for my book bag. I've got to find my book bag. Oh, oh, you want Lost and Found. Well, you need to talk to such and such. So um, I go to such and such, leaving this space-age-looking bowling alley. It's kind of a small makeshift bowling alley. But anyway, um, I go to see such and such, and such and such is this woman who's like, oh, I'll, I'll help you find your book bag. So, okay, thanks, great. She takes me outside, and we're walking along a cliff, a really deep cliff, and we walk into this other building, and I'm like, I haven't been to this building before. I don't have any, this has nothing to do with my search for the book bag. And so we walk in, and then we meet this maitre d'. Apparently, she is at, a, we're at a restaurant, apparently. She says, oh, well, we'll look for your book bag, but I wanted to talk to you about your podcast. Um, So I, I make it very clear. I've I'm looking for my book bag. It's very important I find my book bag. I told her, I think it was a lie at the time. I don't know if you can tell lies and dreams, but I told her that the book bag was full of rare games and my computer, which had papers that I was working on. Um, and then she's like, oh, oh, I see this is very important to you. And, and she suddenly takes me on this long trip across, I don't know, like a pasture or something. Anyway, we we get back to the lunchroom and we finally find the book bag, I guess, basically just where I left it. But all this bizarre stuff that happened along the way um, just to get this book bag. Uh, 
And then, so the, you know, the things that kind of catch my attention are, okay, number one, Blue's Clues game. What is that all about? Number two, um, Mentor knows about my uh, my podcast that I'm, I'm working on here. So, I mean, you can look at it from this deep psychological perspective saying, you know, my mentor is saying I really need to continue to work on this, that this is something really important. But it was just fascinating to me that, that so many people wanted to talk to me about the podcast or, or wanted to present the podcast. I'd never had a dream about rolling for change before. So maybe it's an omen, maybe it's a message from the universe to continue working on this project. Uh, but either way, I have for you today a wonderful conversation that we did with uh, a gentleman named Jeff Garst, who works at a, or he did work at a nonprofit um, board game cafe doing nonprofit uh, projects. And I, that sounded like something that was up the rolling for change alley, so to speak. So I. Uh, suggested Jeff and I sit down and Jeff and I and Brian and I sat down and we talked about you know we geeked out about 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 the Dice Tower Con that we were at and we also talked about his work with um, the cafe and with his podcast and and multiple things so uh, this seemed like a great little one-off short episode for Rolling for Change so that you guys could hear our conversation and also so that uh, uh, we could give Jeff's testimony so to speak i'll call i'll start calling these game stories these uh delves into people's game lives a testimony so we we got jeff's testimony and jeff's a great guy we had a great time talking to him and uh hopefully we can we can talk to him more in the future or hopefully you'll go check out his podcast whichever way anyway i'm going to let him explain it all in the podcast here so uh just sit back and relax and uh here we go. This is episode number 19 of Rolling for Change, a conversation with Jeff Garst at Dice Tower Con 2018. Jeff Garst, and uh, we're here at the Dice Tower Con, which has been a really fantastic experience. And so, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to geek out just a little bit about Dice Tower Con, and then we're going to talk to Jeff about the uh, nonprofit board game cafe that he works for, and just get some insight into that. So, let's start out with uh, just con thoughts. What you've been here a little while, Jeff? Yeah. What, what do you this think? Is, this is uh, this is my second Dice Tower Con. Okay. And I have to say, I am having an absolutely great time. Uh, yesterday, I played two games of Altiplano, two games of Spirit Island, and a game of Terraforming Mars. That is a that is an amazing ga- day of gaming. Uh, so I, I'm I'm happy as a clam today. Uh, ready to once we're done here, go play some more absolutely, big yeah. long crunchy games. You know, I'm happy. What's the big long crunchy you want to play the most right now? Oh, I I can't stop playing Altiplano. Um, is I know that I've already a big it, long crunchy. I thought it's, that it's was a, kind of a. It's about an hour and a half, two hours. It's not a complicated game, okay. but the strategy is really like what you're forced to think about and do and kind of make work in your favor. Okay. I, I would describe as crunchy. Simple but has depth. Right. Exactly. Okay. And and what? Who's the? Who are the makers of that game? I can't. Not makers, but the 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 writers. The designers. I, they, there's somebody that makes another game that I really like. Uh, it's it's the same person who makes Orleans. 
Okay, it doesn't, I don't have to have the name. I just need to know that, and then I know it's probably a good game because I love Ori Lime. Yeah, it's Ori it's Lime. another bag builder, um, resource management. It's it's just a great game. Yeah, excellent. What about you, Brian? What's uh, what's really flipping your lid? Um, the games of the con so far have been uh, Council of Four. Yeah. Um, really enjoyed that one. Had a fair fair amount of depth for that one too. Um, got in a couple games of Lorenzo Il Magnifico, which I've always enjoyed, mm-hmm. and. Um, Surprised that I liked Luxor as much as I did, considering how random it is and how very simple it is. It's kind of a palate cleanser between. Yeah, I was told it's more a roll and move almost kind of thing. Well, it's a dice but in the best it's, it's possible a, it's way. It's a card play and move. So okay, you have some method of planning what you're going to do, which your plans can get thrown off by the other players taking away tiles, forcing you to step over the empty spaces. So okay. it's it's a, it's random, but with some planning elements because you have your hand of cards and you have two options every turn and you see which cards are coming up in your hand because they all stay in order so you have some planning but it can easily be thrown off okay so dice tower has been uh you know the one thing uh, i note about dice tower is that we are we're saturated with games they're everywhere around us and we, mm-hmm. there's, this is a much smaller con than gen con obviously much smaller con than origins but at the same time um, there's a lot of good gaming going on, and there's a lot of crunchy stuff. And my realization for this con has been, okay, I really like crunchy games, and I really like the lighter side of games, but it, the lighter side of games needs to have something really fun to be yeah. worth playing the lighter side of games, mm-hmm. or else I'd rather be in a really crunchy game. So the, the really crunchy game, I don't know if crunchy is the right word, but the really interesting game to me that I've played so far was Way of the Panda. Oh, I've, is, I've uh, wanted cool to try this one. I haven't tried it yet. Um, we, we picked it up thinking, oh, this is going to be a cute panda game. We'll have a good time. This is a good starter game, and, and then we can go and I can go and talk to Jeff after that, and everything's going to be cool. Way of the Panda is, um, it's got a lot of depth, especially if you're just learning it yourself but through from the rule book, which I don't, I, I've learned I don't learn well from the rule book. Rule book. So that's <laughs> the reason I go to people and I say, I bought this game. Can you teach me it? Yeah, I only learn off of rule books if I read it alone at my house before I play games. Yeah. I don't, I don't try to sit there. Yeah. I don't try to sit there and read the rule book as we are trying to play anymore. I learned, I learned my lesson. It's, it's a work. Like when you do that rule book, read in progress, it's, it's a really slow slog. You have to have people that are really okay with it. Mm -hmm. I like to wait for Rado or how to play. Yeah. Yeah. And what'll happen is he'll read the rules. No, he'll, I'll read the rules while he's watching Rado or something. And between the two of us, we might get it to the point that we can play it. Yeah. But with that one, it was just we pieced together, and it's an area control game with pandas and ninjas. What's not to love? But there's a lot of depth because of the way that the mechanics work on the top of the board. Once you choose one action, you close out the other possible actions to yourself, and the more actions you choose, the more actions you close out, and the more the more actions become expensive. And so you're taking your nine little workers and, and constantly moving towards more and more expensive ideas and hoping other people aren't going to take your ideas. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a three and a half hour game when I was expecting it to be you know a lighthearted forty five minutes to an oh, hour. Oh wow! <laughs> um, but that was a really enjoyable game, and I say crunchy because there was so much I had to do in it that I couldn't I couldn't think straight. I'm like, okay, if I do this here, then this is going to happen here, and you know I'm trying to build whatever kind of engine I can build to create more space on the board, and I had some really good moments. But um, so that one and Lords of Vegas also cost me caught me, which I've never played Lords of Vegas until now. It's an old one, going back going yeah. back in the annals of gaming history there. And it, it, it was, um, I'm not good at the, the manipulation and influence kind of games mm-hmm. because I'm, I can't, like, 
you know that thing where guys are like, uh, you know, she wanted to date me, but I didn't know she wanted to date me because I'm just clueless. Mm-hmm. This game wanted to date me, but I didn't know it wanted to date me, and I was clueless. <laughs> you know, I, I feel that way about photosynthesis. Yeah. I understand how photosynthesis works. I, I can teach it. I can get the mechanics down. I can say, here's what's going to happen. I cannot figure out a way to score points in that game. It's tough. It's tough. And so I, I feel that exact same way. I know exactly what, the, the feeling that you're talking about. Yeah, because there's, there's some manipulation going on there as well, and you're trying to figure out where the tree needs to go. That's yeah. a fantastic game. It is. It's a great game. I'm planning on standing at the Meeple Source booth, by God, as long as I have to, so I can try out my little scythe. Yes. Oh, which yes. is um, a cute little animal game based around the core concepts of the game Scythe by Stonemeyer Games. And now, it's, it is not a My Little Pony version of Scythe. It's just called My Little right. Scythe. That's because right. They couldn't get the, I think because they couldn't get the rights to it. Okay. So it's but all they the other My Little characters that look like they exist. So in the it's, it's like an off-brand it, My yeah. Little Pony. But okay. instead of fighting each other you know, with, with swords and necks and stuff, you have pie fights. Yeah. Wonderful. I love and, a and you're and it's not the I don't remember what the track is called on the site that's sad but um, it's the friendship track now yeah and not the popularity track or whatever it was mm-hmm. so the more friendly you are because you can give people stuff and that gets you friendly points and you know, I can't wait for the day. I, I went on, uh, I think it was Thursday night they played Magical Athlete and had the actual the Dice Tower guys like act out as the athletes in that game. So what is that game? Well, I'll explain in a second, but I was just okay. about to say, I can't wait for the day in which uh, we have them act out My Little Scythe and they take the pie fights off board. And we, get to watch, <laughs> we get to watch the Dice Tower guys throw pies at each other. Magical Athlete is its an old game. It's a bad game. Uh, but what, what Tom and the crew have done is they've uh, turned it into kind of a fun... Uh, light-hearted show game, okay. kind of like they do with Wits and Wagers, kind of a okay. game show type thing. Uh, basically, you are one of uh, like 60 different magical you know, gnomes and trolls and wizards and things like that, right? You're, you're one of those people, and you have a special power on a, uh, on a racetrack, mm-hmm. and on your turn, you roll a die, apply your special power if it applies, and move forward... Um, an appropriate whatever number of spaces. If you end, if you're a certain character and you end on a space with each other, you do a battle. Now I don't know how the battle resolves in the actual game, uh, but well, in in this game. in this game they all have pool noodles, and the first person to step out of the box wins. So it was just fun to watch. <laughs> you know, some of the guys hit each other with pool noodles, and that's really why they do it. It's I think it's a game from the 70s or 80s. It, it's yeah. not from mechanics. Yeah. It's just, not a just good something game. that never was a good game in the first place. Right. We've almost done like flip the table kind of thing to turn it into something that's maybe a little more worthwhile. Right. Right. And, and one of the things that I, I really appreciate about uh, appreciate about this con in general, you know, I, I go to most conventions alone, and uh, I don't like to schedule a whole bunch of events and be beholden. So I have to be here at four. I have to be here yeah, at three. You the know, timing stuff. Um, I just like to walk around the the open yeah. gaming area and look for players wanted signs. Mm-hmm. And this is by far the easiest convention for me to do that at. I have never walked around for more than five minutes without seeing a players wanted sign on a game that I want to play. I also teach a lot of games. If I see a game that I want to teach, I'll happily. You I GM'd a game of Star Wars Rebellion. I GM'd a game of Gloomhaven. Um, but this is the best convention for a person like me because the open gaming is so welcoming and inclusive of everybody and saying, you know, we want more people to come to our table. I've been to some of the other bigger conventions and people kind of stay in their clusters, I think, yeah. because they are so big. Um, but this one has a small, more community feel, and so it's really easy to just hop in on a table and, and get started with playing a game, and I really appreciate that about this convention. Yeah, one of our local cons, whenever we came back, said, all right, what are your takeaways from Dice Tower Con? What can we incorporate into our convention 
that we're not doing now. And Woody and I both said, okay, there are these players wanted signs, teacher <laughs> wanted signs, got to do that. Yeah. So, of course, immediately the next game, Game Fest, they had they had those up and they said it's the best introduction they've best introduction of um of um an element ele- best element of the yeah. con they've introduced so far yeah so. it's just no such ice. a it's such a smart <laughs> idea because it, it allows you to proliferate outside of you know our gaming groups when we're not at a convention tend to be kind of insulated yeah we tend you know? to be like we come together and we stay together we're a pod that moves through the group basically right and so if uh if you know no one in your group would be the type of person to play altiplano or my little scythe um you're never going to learn that game well yeah, this convention table, yeah. you sit at a table someone will teach it to you and uh, now you have a whole other game in your repertoire that then you can bring back to your gaming group um which i, I just really love that that's so. one of my favorite things about this convention i, I would say that you know, I was talking to Brian about it. I would say that uh, um, Dice Tower Con is probably my favorite of the big conventions. It's not quite big, but you know, it's not it's not Gen Con oranges or oranges, <laughs> BGG size, and definitely not Essen size. But it, it's just a friendly little con. We're all playing games. It's not like Gen Con where you have to go and buy a really expensive, stupid badge in order to play games, mm-hmm. um, unless you're going to play your own games or play the the demo games. Um, it's just you walk in, you get the game, you walk to the table, you play the game, and you find people very easily. It's, it, that's, that, and that way it's fantastic. And my wife and I have made friends, and Woody has made friends from across this country and from other countries yeah. who we only see at this con. Yeah, and every we, we year we like, pop back, we're like, hey, you, I remember We have, we have you. like Dice Tower family, basically. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, last year I, when I told people I was from Omaha, Nebraska, um, there was a little bit of surprise. Like, oh, you'd come all the way from Omaha just for this con. I have met people from England, Canada. People mm-hmm. come from all over the place just to come to this convention. And I think part of it's the location because you can go to, you know, Disney and Universal oh, while yeah, you're here. It's obvious, yeah. But I think part of it is that community, you know. It, it, you say it's not a big con. There's a lot of people here. Oh yeah. Um, but it does feel like a small con because of that community feel, and we and we all have something in common. You know, for the most part, I would say most people come to Dice Tower Con, like the Dice Tower. Yeah. So at the end of the yeah. day, at least you know if you if you don't know somebody, you can always talk about you know your favorite top ten list or your favorite you know do you listen to the podcast, watch the videos, watch yeah. the reviews, and I like that. Yeah, so speaking of podcasts, before we get into talking about your... Well, I guess it's all kind of wrapped together. It the, is, yeah. The Board Game Cafe and the podcast. So what can you tell us about... I know you have you work at a, a non-profit board game cafe in... In Omaha. Nebraska. In Omaha, yeah. Nebraska. So, uh, yeah. So um, I, I am no longer an employee, but I'm a volunteer and I co-host the podcast for Spielbound Board Game Cafe in Omaha, okay. Nebraska. And Spielbound was started by Dr. Caleb Michu and Scott Odell. Um, basically, Caleb had about a 2,000 game game collection and uh, then got married. And so he had to do something with his game. <laughs> so he started, uh, he started Spielbound. And um, uh, it's, it's a great place. So Spielbound is actually two businesses. We have a cafe that serves coffee and tea and scones and all that fun mm-hmm. stuff. And then we have a not-for-profit board game library, which is certainly the more interesting part of the business. Yeah. Um, uh, we have about 2,500 games in our library. And for $5 a day, you can come in and play all you want. Um, and, and that's a great thing. You know, lots of board game cafes do it like that. However, uh, we took a little bit of a different approach with our cafe and decided that we were going to be not-for-profit. And our mission is to, uh, uh, our mission is a couplefold. We have four parts. Uh, the first is getting ga- board games into the classroom. We mm-hmm. want kids and teachers to use these tools because we believe, and the science backs us up on the fact that board games are great for students. They help teach critical thinking skills. 
Second part of our mission is uh, to get seniors playing board games. Again, research shows the fact that board games, uh, you know, and, and this goes not only with board games, crossword puzzles, word search, you know, things like that help keep the mind sharp, uh, stave off things like Alzheimer's and dementia, and uh, we want to we wanna help the community in any way we can, and that's one way we think we can do it. Third part of our mission is game design. Uh, so we have a, a weekly game design group that meets, and we have actually a couple of people who have published games with... Uh, Oh no! I'm, uh, we have the guy who won the first ever Cards Against Humanity game design contest. Marcus Ross is in the game group. He's published a couple of games. Uh, he's working on one with Hobbit right now as well. Okay. Uh, Bryce Journey has also got just gotten a couple of games published. So it's, you know we don't have Matt Leacock's not in our game group, but uh, we do have a couple of designers that you may have heard of, and. Um, we also, then the fourth part of our mission is to create community through board games. Uh, so get people, bring people together around a table to talk and socialize and, and play a game together. And so having done that, what's been your success rate? I mean, I know this is not your cafe. You're working for these guys or volunteering for these guys, but... Um, what's what's going on that's then yeah so I mean there, there's there's so many great things going on and my my sort of main pipeline to the great things that are going on is I get all of the volunteer emails uh, we have a volunteer coordinator who does a great job and uh, every time that we have an event she'll send out an email and say I need five people on Saturday to go to uh, this place and teach a bunch of games so a lot of what we do is we work uh, directly with uh, we work directly with the people who run these spaces that we're trying to get games into. Mm -hmm. So, for example, one event I went to was a it was a librarians conference uh, where a bunch of librarians were getting together and talking about you know different librarian things, I guess. Yeah. And for two hours of that conference, they brought us in and we brought about fifty games with us and said and talked a little bit about our mission and then said you know for the next two hours. Uh, if you see a game that you like, uh, let us know and we'll teach it to you because they were, um, a lot of libraries now are trying to have a small board game library that people can come in and play. And so we're, we're sort of in the position of introducing uh, games to the people who have the power to get them then into the classroom or the senior's home or the library. And so we do a lot of those events where we're teaching people games that they can then take into their community. We have a person on staff who is, I think he's a volunteer, who is uh, specifically only um, talking to teachers. So if a teacher calls us and says, you know, hey, I heard about you guys, I'm not really sure, we send him their way and he will sit down with them for as long as they need and show them some games, talk about how you can incorporate board games into the curriculum. Um, you know, I, I'm also a high school teacher, and so I use board games a lot um, in my classroom as a way to, you know, reinforce course concepts, and so uh, that's really great as well. What's the so you're you're doing high school teaching? Are you still doing that now? Or is yeah, that, okay. I'm a full. Yeah, so a full. what's the game that you've introduced that's made the most impact to those high school students? Right. So when when people say, you know, I use board games in the classroom, you know, board gamers think like, how are you playing Zombicide in right. you know, high school English classroom? And it's like, well, it's not exactly Zombicide. So the one that I've actually had the most success with is Werewolf. Okay. And I use Werewolf to reinforce, uh, like I said, I'm an English teacher, use Werewolf to rein, reinforce the idea of mob mentality when I teach The Crucible. Because mm. The Crucible is about the Salem Witch Trials. And okay. uh, you have this one character who's sort of, um, Abigail Williams, who's sort of spreading fear throughout the town of Salem in order to cause, uh, in order to say that there are witches in the town. And, you know, that sounds a lot like a game of Werewolf. you got a whole yeah. group of people who are mm -hmm. willing to lynch someone because they think there might be werewolves. 
And so um, I usually start the unit by playing a game of werewolf, and kids get really into it, and they're talking, I want get get him, get him, get him. And then we, once the game's over, uh, we stop and we have a discussion about what is mob mentality? Why do we act in this way where people can just jump on a train uh, that that's a barrel, barreling down the tracks. Why do people do that? Is it you know there are good things about mom mentality sometimes. There are bad things about mom mentality. So I use games to usually uh, reinforce a a larger idea that I think a book or a you know another text, book, short story, whatever it is, uh, can reinforce. So where kids always love werewolf. So in psychology terms, we call that groupthink, where it's yes. a matter of everybody kind of jumping on the same bandwagon and. And there's all kinds of dynamics that play into that. You know, it can be, I want to be like the group, or I want to be part of the group. I don't want to be separate from the group. Or when I take myself to be a separate part of the group, then I take a contrary position, and then I'm automatically contrary. So there's an in-group, out-group kind of thing that goes on in those situations. And, yeah, that's a great – I love that for teaching the crucible. That's fantastic. And, and I had a couple of social – you know, I, I'm kind of doing this in my own classroom and um, had a couple of social studies teachers a couple years ago uh, come up to my room and say, I heard that you're using werewolf to teach about – because the, the crucible is about the Salem Witch Trials, but Arthur Miller wrote it as an as a analog for the Red Scare. Okay. Uh, going against communists. And so I had a couple social studies teacher come up and say, I heard you're using uh, werewolf to teach about the Red Scare. And so now there are three or four teachers who use werewolf to teach about the Red Scare, the Crucible, kind of that, that concept of mob mentality. And that's one of the things that I think is great about board games is since kids, especially in schools, since kids are excited about it, kids tell other people things that they're excited about mm-hmm. and so they tell a teacher we played this great game and they say well, let me go ask Mr. Garst about that werewolf game and see if that's something I could do I love the idea of walking into the school and just hearing people accusing as I'm walking <laughs> down the hall <laughs> just it seems like the most unlikely thing to happen in an educational industry. two English teachers at the table with me and I'm in trouble <laughs> <laughs> just don't, don't use a dangling participle yeah. Uh, I had mine taken out. <laughs> <laughs> it was a surgical procedure. It was okay. He survived. It'd be better if I knew. Because <laughs> 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 then I could have ended it with a dangling participle. But I don't. I'm a therapist. I don't, I don't know all the English stuff. Um, so we've talked about the schools. We've talked about the cafe. Um, I'm assuming that you guys do some like some donations or some work you said you work with senior citizens is that bringing the games to the yeah so uh we've we've brought games directly to seniors homes and worked with the residents and Mm -hmm. taught them games uh we've also worked with the directors of the seniors homes they'll sometimes come into the cafe and ask us questions okay or set up as i think we also have a person on staff who, who works directly with them uh so yeah we work directly with the people we're trying to help we also work sort of as a proxy for the people who help the people we're trying to help. Um, really, our, while our mission is those four things, if you were to call us up and say, we want to teach you know, whoever how to play board games, we will be happy to send people. We have an army of volunteers. Okay. Um, yeah, so if you're in the Omaha area and you want to have a bunch of people come teach your whatever group how to play games, we will be there. Um, we're, we're in an area of the city uh, that's sort of kind of one of those hip happening places where every Friday there's a festival outside and whatever. Uh, so we're, we always have a booth at those festivals as well. Um, you know, and people walk by and, and hear about us and ask us questions. It's great. It's great. 
And then that leads into a podcast. Yes. So about uh, two, wow, two years ago now, um, two of the owners and I were just kind of sitting around talking and thought, you know, we need a podcast. Uh, we have a lot of opinions about games, especially mm-hmm. them. I don't have as many opinions as they do. Uh-huh. Um, but we have a lot of opinions about games, and uh, we think it's time for people to hear them. And so our podcast is not... Uh, is not specific to the nonprofit mission, although we have okay. talked about it in the past. Um, but we talk about board games. Really, what we want to do is, you know, since we're tied to a location, we're not expecting to become the Dice Tower, right? We, we're thinking, while anyone would probably listen and enjoy our podcast, we're mostly concerned with the Omaha community uh, for the podcast purposes. But anyone will, could listen and enjoy. But we talk about, you know, what games are hot at the cafe right now. We, you know, mm-hmm. we, we do work with all these groups, but at the end of the day, if you want to play a bunch of games, you can walk in, pay $5 and play whatever you want. So we talk about what are what are we seeing people in the cafe playing right now? We'll usually play one of those games and then talk about it. Okay. Um, we talk about what we've been playing. We talk about what we're drinking because we always have special drinks and things uh-huh. like that. You know, we have an amazing beer selection, amazing wine selection, amazing coffee selection. And so it's just a chance for us to talk about, you know, what's going on in the cafe? What's what's popular with the people right now? And sometimes it's what do we think is going to be popular in a week? Can we try to preempt the popularity and, and push something to be more popular? Um, but it, it's just a great way, I think, for a gaming community. And I, I would call Spielbound a gaming community because we all know each other. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's a great way for uh, us to sort of codify some of the things in our gaming community and talk about what's going on, what's popular with the people, what's, where's sort of the buzz at a very local level. Um, and I think, you know, the, the huge podcasts that are, have a national reach are amazing for talking about, you know, if you go to Gen Con, what are you going to see people playing? But I think sometimes there's a disconnect between what's popular at the national level and what might be popular for like any individual level. Lo- yeah, at a community level. Um, and you know, sometimes, yep, that's it. Which uh, one? Uh, the top one. Um, sometimes that community level is the same from Omaha to Denver to Lincoln, Nebraska. You know, sometimes that's the same, sometimes it's different. Sometimes somebody in a community discovers a game. You know, you just discovered Lord, Lord of Vegas, which I think was a 2007 yeah, release. It's a, it's a while ago, yeah. Um, you know, now you might bring that back to your gaming community, and all of a sudden there's a resurgence of Lords of Vegas, which I'm sure the designers would be thrilled oh, yeah. to know. Um, and so, you know, sometimes we have those games where we talk about, you know, we just had a thing about Kingdom Builder. Like mm-hmm. Kingdom Builder just kind of spiked for the cafe a little bit. We try to keep track of what people are. We have we have an employee who walks around and tries to keep track of what people are playing. And you know, every once in a while, you just see a game spike, and you're like, "So you're trying to figure out who, what's the reason for the spike? Right. What's Why the is this happening?" And you know, oftentimes it's that designer created a new game, and so people okay. are kind of before you know the cafe. We don't always get things right away. We 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 do a really good job of keeping up to date, but we can only do so much. So if uh, Donald X Vaccarino comes out with a game, the cafe doesn't have it yet. Well, let's play one of his old games. Yeah, so um, suddenly Dominion hits the table. and take, Right, yeah. exactly. And so it's, it's really interesting yeah. to see those statistics. Ticket, Ticket to Ride is always very popular yeah. because uh, we do have a lot of hardcore gamers that come to the cafe, but we have a lot of uh, people, family gamers. Casual you know. gamers, right, family absolutely. gamers, yeah. And we, and we love them. We actually had an entire podcast discussing the term casual gamers and, and what a better term would be. So um, we, have, we have a lot. Of, so Ticket to Ride is very popular. Pandemic is very popular. The Forbidden Island and Deserts. Um, we have a lot of a lot of co-op games are very popular um, mm-hmm. because I think that's a that's a that's a cool thing that if somebody comes in because mm-hmm. we always have people on staff who are especially on busy times who will, will just walk around the game library and say you know do you want me to recommend a game teach a game mm-hmm. um, 
And when we see somebody who doesn't know a lot about games, one of the first things we can do to hit that spark is, you've heard of competitive games, but let me show you this game where you're actually working together as a group. That's always a cool moment to watch somebody realize that that's even a thing you can yeah. do. Yeah. Um, so we have a lot of cooperative games that are very popular as well. I was just going to say, for a cafe, probably a cooperative games would be like a, a chew-in because it's like we're, we're here for the social game in the first place because right. that, that's what cafe is. And then we add this, this uh, cooperative aspect to it. It would seem like that would be a, a, a gimme, although I do love the idea of people drinking coffee and playing games about death, um, <laughs> you know, with pandemic, you know, right, right. You're talking about disease and whatever. So, um, all right. Uh, the name of the podcast, by the way, is Spielcast. Spielcast, yes. Spielcast. So okay. we are Spielbound Board Game Cafe, but yeah. the podcast is Spielcast. Yep. And okay. we will eventually get a logo that says Spielcast. We're working on it. And so you can find that on like you all the major things. Find it on all Stitcher, the major iTunes. Yeah, absolutely. Podbean. Like I found it on iTunes. Yep. So yeah, it's really quick. And that's S-P-I-E-L bound. So it's, it's like the, the Spiel. Um... It is German for Game Fun Play, okay. which is also our Wi-Fi password if you ever come into Game the cafe. Game Fun Play. Game Fun Play. Because if you look up uh, Spiel, like if you look up the Google definition for Spiel, uh -huh. the definition is Game, comma, Fun, comma, Play. And so we just made our Wi-Fi password. Game Fun so Play. So S and Spiel is S and Games? Yep. Uh, okay. Yeah. See, no German, no English. I'm That's just, it. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, so we've been talking about Dice Tower. And uh, just a final thoughts for Dice Tower. I will say that Dice Tower has been, uh, this one, this is my third one coming to. And uh, this one has just been incredible for meeting people, playing new games, and uh their game library is just incredible because you can go in there and pretty much get anything you want. Yeah. Except for Rococo. <laughs> um, yeah, somebody's had that game out for... 27 hours. 27 hours it, as of last night. It finally so. came back last night. Nice. Okay. I, I texted Ginger because Ginger was the one who wanted the Rococo game. And I said, hey, Rococo's here. And, and her message was, I'm going to bed. I'm <laughs> done. You know, if they had it for 27 hours, you could check it out and, and play and it first thing the in the morning. And still be less than that. Right, exactly. True. Yeah. I, I love this convention because they call people out on the intercom. Um, like we just had to stop. We just had to stop recording for a second because somebody has had Bunning Kingdom since two seventeen a.m. and it is currently noon. And that's so, a thirty minute to an hour game. Yeah, yeah. So I just love that they call out Billy Johnson. You've had uh, <laughs> you've had this game out for thirty six hours. You might want to bring that back. And then you get the crowd shaming, right? <laughs> or shame. It's not even a good game. Or I don't know if it's a good game or not. I just like I just like the idea of everybody. Yeah, and you know, I, I just I, talking about the community feel. Last night it was oh god, it was probably midnight, twelve thirty. Um, I was playing a game of Altiplano, stuck in my head, and all of a sudden, all the way across the open gaming hall, I hear a guy just cheer out like you know he must have rolled a die perfectly or done something, and everyone stopped their game and gave him a standing ovation. It was, it was great. <laughs> That's excellent. Um, final thoughts. Apparently, Bunny Kingdom is very difficult to learn. <laughs> I like to think it's just one guy sitting over the table like, okay, so I move the bunny here. Got that part. Move to the rule book. I'm just sitting there since 217. <laughs> just like a really slow step by step. <laughs> yes, well, maybe it's a color issue. <laughs> it could be. It could be. They may have been up all night making little symbols on all the bunnies. Mm -hmm. on, on the Dice Tower copy of, of Bunny Kingdom. Well, of course. Some people just don't have boundaries. <laughs> that, that, that's true. <laughs> That's why we have the rule. 
six hours sleep, two meals, a shower. A shower. That's probably, I think the one is the most important part of yeah, that. Yeah, it really is. We can do a pass out, people. Right. But not the shower issue. Jeff, any final? I'm, I'm having a great time at Dice Tarkon. I'm, I'm really grateful that I sat down to play that game of Great Western Trail with you because I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm happy. Excellent. All right. Well, we've been talking to Jeff Garst here at Dice Tower Con. This is 2018, just in case you happen to be picking this up in some future generation of yourself, you know, when you're 50 or something and you're 20 now. I don't know. Um, I hope the podcast lasts that long. <laughs> this will be only maybe our 14th or 15th episode, so we'll see. <laughs> anyway, you've been listening to Rolling for Change with Brian and Woody and our special guest, Jeff Garst, from... Spielbound Cafe in Omaha, Nebraska. Yes, please stop by if you're ever in Omaha. Yeah. We, road trip. Yeah. <laughs> road trip for uh, hey, rolling I, for time. I road tripped to Orlando, so I feel like it's only fair oh, now that yeah, you have okay. to I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, you're coming to Atlanta, but you're only coming for a short time. So, yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Rolling for Change. This has been episode 19, a conversation with Jeff Garst at Dice Tower Con 2018. Rolling for Change is proud to be a member of the Geek Therapy Network. You can check out more wonderful geeky podcasts by visiting geektherapy.com. We would love to hear from you. If you'd like to be on Rolling for Change or suggest a topic or just tell us how good you think our poetry is, you can send email to gamers at rollingforchange.com. Or you can follow our Twitter feed. We are at Roll for Change. Our theme music is provided by Rocket Scientists. For more of their music, you can buy albums at Bandcamp, Amazon, or wherever else you buy great music. We'll be back again soon. Until that time, keep on rolling for change. By the way, I did find a Blue's Clues game when I looked it up on Board Game Geek. It is a rating of 4.3. Uh, basically, it is a roll and spin move with cooperative pay, play and uh, paper and pencil. Um, it's a children's game. Well, you, you guessed that. It's a deduction game, which makes sense because it's Blue's Clues. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to have to go buy me a copy. If your dream tells you to check out Blue's Clues, I guess you got to check out Blue's Clues.